0: on the Sashin last weekend, during which my Dharma successor, Pat George, in turn, transmitted the Dharma to her successor, Peter Nichols. I hope some of you are able to
1: hear the talks from that session. I know the audio for my talk was uh, not available. I hope
0: that will be uh, online this week for you if you're interested. I was thinking about how such an event actually happened. What kind of story do we tell about what made such a thing possible? Obviously, if I wanted to, I could tell a story
1: that put myself at the center and tell a story in which this Dharma transmission is the culmination of all my efforts, beginning practice over 40-some years ago and teaching something like
0: 25 years ago. And that now the fruit of all that
1: effort is in the creation of this new
0: Dharma successor. And yet the story could be told in very different ways
1: that equally put at the center, Peter and Pat meeting and working together up at Zen Mountain Monastery on the uh, journal there, the mountain record and reconnecting in Philadelphia after many years when Pat became a teacher. Or you could tell a story in which so much depended on
0: seemingly chance events and simple luck, like
1: Larry Christensen having the idea that the way to get Joko out to New York to lead a Sashin would be to bribe her with tickets to the U.S. Open. If he hadn't had that thought or she hadn't come, maybe
0: I never would have met her and begun studying with her. And so while it's possible
1: to tell a story like this in terms of one individual's effort or choices, it's also A good illustration of uh, what we chant at uh, at the meal service. Seventy-two laborers brought us this food. We should know how it comes to us. Any event like this comes to us through the myriad efforts of so many different people.
0: Coming together in just the right kinds of ways. And the kind of story we tell about it will be very dependent on the perspective of who's telling it. And even now, uh,
1: it's not clear what kind of story this is. If we look ahead 10, 20, or 30 years, when we look back on it as That was the beginning of something momentous. Or was it an interesting time that lasted for a little while and then faded away? We don't know what will happen next. And the stories that'll be told about what happened will inevitably
0: be told in light of what follows. All this is to try to
1: uh, put this story into a context of a discussion about free will, choice, determinism, positive
0: and negative liberty.
1: When we talk about things like this, we have to talk both about our choices, our efforts, but also the determining or
0: enabling conditions that allow those efforts to bear fruit. I've talked a lot about, over the years, about Isaiah Berlin and his
1: concepts concept of two forms of
0: liberty, negative liberty and positive liberty. And the negative form, he thinks of as freedom from, freedom from constraint. That there are no outside forces, whether political or cultural,
1: that constrain us in what we want to do uh, to pursue our own desires and goals. But the whole uh, premise of liberty in that sense presumes. Uh, that we have freely determined uh, desires and goals. It presumes something like free will, if not in an absolute sense, in some kind of relative sense, where we have
0: our own subjective sense of what we want. And our experiences of
1: whether we're having to push up against outer forces that are trying to keep us from doing what we want.
0: But we begin with that sense of, I could, this is what I would do if I could. On the other hand, when he talks about. Positive Liberty,
1: he talks about all the contextual enabling conditions that have to be in place in order for us to be able to function at all,
0: let alone fulfill particular desires. It's hard to talk about wanting to fulfill
1: my ambitions to study music if I don't have the basic necessities of life, if I'm in danger of uh, starving or being killed in war or having no access whatsoever to education or musical instruments or a teacher who can guide me. No matter if I, even if I'm innately some kind of musical genius, if I am not in an environment that provides opportunities and role models and instruments and an opportunity to study and practice, all of that
0: will be for naught. Now we could take it a step further
1: and not just ask what what does it take to fulfill my desires uh, to say, practice music, but we could ask what kind of conditions do there have to be for me to even formulate that desire in the first place? Where does that sense of my own identity or purpose or desire begin? And we have to say that that sort of thing must develop out of certain conditions.
0: What we're exposed to, who our parents are that even our
1: idea about what we want is not something that we're innately born with, but is something that uh, develops and that we learn, and we learn in context by exposure uh, to a particular world that uh, seems to offer particular
0: opportunities. Now, in our reading, this situation is posed in rather stark terms in terms of free will or determinism. And there's a certain sense in which we need to see that either of those positions are completely untenable. to think about free will in its
1: most pure form would mean that we are completely unconditioned agents, that we are our own first cause, that we think or want or do whatever it is, Uh, Solely for reasons that arise completely autonomously
0: from within ourselves. That we are not conditioned beings. But this is
1: to uh, make us like a god. A god that is a first cause, that is not subject
0: to any outside forces at all. And we know at some level that that is uh, an impossible state of affairs. We talk about karma
1: or interconnectedness or a web of causality. And we know that at some level, everything
0: that we are is the product of interactions, with others, and and with the world. And then when we start down that road, we can end up at the opposite extreme. We are physical embodied entities living in a
1: material world of causes and effects
0: where every action is the result of some previous action or cause that there
1: is nothing that is not causally predetermined and when we start thinking that way uh, we can go down the kind of road that Strassen very elegantly outlines, where it seems that,
0: you know, total determinism is inescapable. And so I think that uh, psychologically we're faced
1: with trying to steer our way between These two ditches, one of a kind of fantasy of autonomy, godlike autonomy in which we are completely free, and on the other hand, this ditch of utter determinism in which anything we think we want exists only because of something that has happened to us in the past and that has conditioned us consciously or unconsciously to
0: want to do this thing. And we can say it's one of the hard problems of philosophy
1: to try to reconcile a kind of third-person perspective, of a material universe of causality with the first-person experience of agency. And we realize that it's not possible to function with a, a completely deterministic picture even if at some level you're a uh, hard-headed scientist. Not only do you have to decide whether to have the eggs or the cereal for breakfast in the morning, but you have to live your life in a way that the whole idea of choice and responsibility is built in to our whole
0: notion of who we are and what human relations are. It's not possible
1: to live a life very successfully thinking that either you're a god or that you're a billiard ball. neither of those options uh, really
0: plays out very well uh, in relationships. It's interesting to me, also reflecting back on Sashin, that
1: when... uh, Philosophers talk about determinism, so often it seems to lead to a kind of dead end of despair, that sense
0: of being robbed of, a, of autonomy and freedom. But very often we encounter a different... Uh,
1: kind of reflection on determinism when uh, we approach it from a Buddhist or religious perspective. There we tend to see all these determining factors as enabling factors as part of what Berlin calls our positive liberty. This enables us to do and be what we are. It doesn't constrain us to just be this. It enables us to be this. 72 labors brought us this food. We should know how it comes to us. When we reflect on all those efforts, our basic
0: response is not one of resentment and helplessness. It's one of gratitude. We see our place in this great
1: interdependent
0: causal web and we are grateful for it. It enables us to live and be who we are. It enables
1: us to practice, to
0: form our communities, to teach and be taught. This is the other side of uh, determinism,
1: that sense of enable, enabling capacity for which I think the more appropriate response is to bow down in gratitude
0: that we are able to be who we are and live the life that we lead.